basically the goal is to transform the monetary system. Money, money, real money is like where it's fungible, transportable, readily acceptable, divisible. If you're starting to take central bank digital currencies, it's like a payment system, but it's not really money any longer. I, I really think people have to wake the hell up and, and, and just oppose that, that system at all costs. All right. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another Liberty Advisor show. I'm Tim Pichot with the Liberty Advisor, and today we are joined by James Patrick, who is the producer and director of the new film uh, that's all about the whole scandemic called Planet Lockdown. Right now, we are streaming this live on YouTube, Flow, and Odyssey, but obviously, given the nature of this subject, we are going to cut the YouTube feed shortly. And so please make sure you guys sign up for our email list at thelibertyadvisorshow.com so you don't miss out on all the great content. That doesn't make it on YouTube, and since we are sitting at one strike and one warning on this platform, who knows how much longer we'll even be up here. And actually, since this interview is probably going to be labeled medical misinformation, uh, we're just obviously going to cut this in just a little bit. And uh, right now, the best places for you to watch Jane's film would be, uh, just one second here, planetlockdownfilm.com. Again, that is planetlockdownfilm.com. I watched it last night and thought it was Excellent. And then while we're still in the housekeeping portion of this, let me just get my uh, screen share going on over here. I'd also like to point out that uh, actually James came to us as a referral from Tina Marie of learntherisk.org. And I want to point out that it was Brandy Vaughn's birthday yesterday. Uh, so if you guys want to go over to learntherisk.org and make a donation, I know they just got a huge billboard up here. I feel like, you know, give the Donald Trump huge billboard up here in Phoenix. And uh, you know, we'd like to get a lot more billboards up. And you know, the best way to do that is by going to learntherisk.org to donate. And again, we'll flash on the screen, planetlockdown.com, where they not only have the film that's almost two hours, but also have tons of different full-length interviews. Obviously, you know, you can't fit you know each you know hour-long interview on uh, two-hour-long film. So make sure you check that out. I saw that there was some you know great stuff from uh, Martin Armstrong, who you know this channel is you know a lot of it's folks in economics, and so a lot of you guys will like that. And then also want to point out that James and I will both be speaking at FloatFest. So that is FloatFest.com. It's coming up April 29th to May 3rd. Last year, I think they threw it together around like, you know, 40, 50 day heads up. It was a great event. Uh, obviously, a lot of people from our uh, from our sphere are going to be there. Lots of great speakers. I'm trying to find the speaker page right now because I know that they do have, you know, a ton of great speakers. Like, uh, you know, we've got Sam Tripoli of the Tinfoil Hat podcast. Eddie Bravo, Colin Cantrell, who I think is one of the smartest people I've ever talked to in my life, founder of Nexus Earth, dad's the co-founder co of SpaceX, Larkin Rose, Alma Summer, who is the, uh, the founding uh, mother of Jackalope Freedom Festival, of course, John Bush, Tino Sanchez, Ernie Hancock, Jason Basler, uh, Free Thought Project, Spike Cohen, who is a uh, Libertarian presidential uh, VP candidate, Jack Spirico, myself, Kent Bonadine, Derek Bros, Bitcoin Ben, Rebecca Powers, Scott Horton, which we do we do have an interview with Scott Horton we did from December that was titled Inside Baseball in Russia and Ukraine that we did in December that is still evergreen. Highly recommend you guys check that out along with another walk and talk I just did on um, that subject as well. And of course, you know, my good friend, Dave Rodriguez as well. So anyways, James, it is a pleasure to have you on. And I guess the first thing I want to point, I would like to ask is uh, probably not even related to plant lockdown, but were you at Anarchapoco in 2018 and in 2020? Because I think I remember meeting you in 2018. Of course, you got, you know, the white frame, gla clear glasses that are, you know, I think uh, 
you know, probably like your signature look. I got the opposite right now with the dark frame, black glasses on. But were you at Anacapoca both of those years or every every year since 2018? Yeah, I think uh, 17, 18, and 19. Okay, because I do remember talking to you. And I think... Uh, I think you had was it like a um, like a some sort of medical crypto thing going on or something back then? If I'm not mistaken, I'm just sort of doing this off off the cuff here. On uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Okay, well, yeah, it's, it's funny because at time yeah, I didn't really recognize her name, but then now I see you here with the glasses. I'm like you know, I definitely had met James uh, before, so that's very cool. Now, were you at the 2021 when like right before all this was going down? Uh, so like February 2020, right before all the lockdown. And <laughs> yeah, February 2020. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, there's such like a weird moment in time where there's sort of like the coronavirus going on back then, but it wasn't really pumped or hyped at all in America. But yet we saw like these videos of people just like falling over and dying in China. And it was you know kind of weird that they, uh, you know, that the government wasn't promoting it all in, in America, which made me sort of skeptical. But what was your sort of feeling back then, you know, as we were in like the early days, sort of even like pre-COVID? Yeah, it was a weird time. I mean, we heard these stories about like a virus going around and I, I just didn't think, any, think anything of it. It just seemed like a media scare of some kind of pharma, pharma hype, hype job, you know, but little did we know. Yeah, little did we know. I mean, we had guys there like uh, Del Big Tree, uh, you know, who gave a talk on, who gave to give a talk on, uh, you know, what was going down. And I can remember at the time, because I mean, health wasn't my main issue. I mean, mainly, you know, I was given there, given a presentation there in economics and how basically the financial system was going to blow up. And sort of my opinion is that they used this uh, whole scam as a pretext to basically take all the junk bonds and all the bad debt and shift it over to the shifted over to you know the Federal Reserve. While all of a sudden, no one is paying attention to what's going on. So, you know, I guess at like a really high level, like what do you? sort of make of you know everything that was going on with uh the pandemic and like what some of the origins are or uh you know reasons that they decided to, to pull this out or i guess maybe even backing things up you know do you you know i don't think the film really gets into it too much but do you think that you know covid i guess after all your studying and all the information the interviews you've done you know what's sort of the consensus on covid is in your opinion is it something that that is real or something that is sort of like a hyped up flu that they then use to you know, you know manipulate people into taking their freedoms or is this some you know manufactured virus that came out of wuhan uh, i think obviously i'm guessing you probably don't think it's you know out of a wet market you know 100 yards away from the, the Wuhan Institute of Prology, but, you know, without putting any words in your mouth, like what, after all of your, you know, research and doing all these interviews, what do you sort of make of, you know, what the coronavirus is or isn't? Well, I think, it, I think one thing, it's, it's not exactly clear because the data is so based on all these tests and, and then there's just so many methodological errors with how everything is calculated that it sort of makes it impossible to really definitively say, but, I guess my get my educated guess is it's a hyped up flu. I mean, there's definitely like these these documents showing it was developed and or something was developed in some lab. I, I don't like that narrative a lot because it makes it sound scarier than it is. Like in, in the, the basic infection fatality data showing it's like a regular flu level uh, uh, deadliness, which I which I mentioned in the film, you know, with very high level people saying that. So I think it's sort of like um, yeah, I think it's basically just like a hyped up, you know, SARS-CoV-2 flu, 
But I mean, whether or not what people are getting sick from over here and what they're saying came from a lab over there is not that causal connection isn't proven. You, you know what I mean? Like someone will get a flu-like symptom, take a test and they say, I have COVID. Is that, is that COVID or is that just someone with a cold? And then they say like, I think there is some kind of novelness with the, with some of this oxygen. Some people saying they have trouble breathing, but like, I don't know, people are getting scared out of their mind by the media and then they're hyperventilating. So I think, you know, it's just a lot of it just seems to be like that. And then, you know, even over here, some way they might be sequencing, sequencing some viruses and things. And, but is that the, the causal cause of people with flu-like symptoms over here or over there? It's not, they're, they're basing it all on these PCR tests, which, which are not really sound, so. And I did like how you had, you know, clips in there from Dr. Kerry Mullis. I mean, a lot of, you know, our viewers are aware of, you know, the, the famous clips where he's talking about how you can take, you know, basically one molecule of, of anything and blow it up and all of a sudden, you know, you can find, you know, one little tiny strain of something in anything, you know, because sometimes we have all these, you know, trillions of different cells in our body. And obviously, Kerry Mullis was not a fan of Fauci, didn't like him, you know, offered to debate him on several different occasions. And I uh, just also want to point out that Tina Marie will also be speaking at Float Fest as well. She's the one that hooked up the interview, and I forgot to name her, so I do feel bad about that. So Tina Marie of Learn the Risk will also be speaking at Float Fest. But, um, you know, what was sort of the first thing that got your spidey sense up as, you know, we're, you know, heading into this whole pandemic and we're, you know, maybe now we're in March of 2020, you know, when was it that all of a sudden you realized that something wasn't right or what was sort of like that first thing or series of things that made you, you know, sort of, you know, really skeptical in terms of what the narrative is? I mean, obviously as you know, more of an anarchist, you're probably always skeptical of whatever the narrative is, like, like any of us, but what was sort of like one of those first few things that really, you know, got your spidey senses going? I think it was like the economic nature of it. They said like lockdown and like that just didn't sound, that just sounded fishy that you would just halt all the small businesses, all, all the businesses, small, medium, size, large, and then just like stop everyone's cash flows. I mean, it was clear for me that running a business and knowing things about economics, that that would just cause a cascading string of bankruptcies and basically take out half the economy and like, just in very short order. So why why you would do that and claim that would save people from 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 some harm, just was like totally irrational. And then, but then it, it really made sense that oh well that would really consolidate the wealth. It would push everyone into bankruptcy and into the hands of their creditors and the government, and then basically make them very vulnerable and and dependent on 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 the government and 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 really defaults on all their bank loans and all their short-term credit, long-term credit. I mean, everything would just go up in smoke. So that was clear, like um, being from Washington, D.C. and seeing how they pass laws that like squeeze out the competition and and then just take control of market share. It seemed like a really dramatic, aggressive version of, of things we've seen for the last hundred years doing that. So I think it was like the economics of it I found pretty obvious. Yeah, I mean, and for anyone, you know, listening, you know, my viewers, you know, we, I gave a presentation at Anarchapoca that I've mentioned a million times right before all this. So we're talking like February, I think like 14th, 2020. And the entire thing was on basically this whole planned implosion. I, no, I didn't realize there was going to be, you know, the whole, everything that went on like a month later and that all this stuff would be, you know, uh, super moved up very quickly. But one of the things that I was talking about is that you had, you know, roughly 
you know, about half of the investment grade bonds are one notch away from being junk. So you, and then historically during a recession, you have maybe like 30 to 50% of those bonds at least go down one rating. So if you go from, if you have, all of a sudden have half the bonds that are essentially triple B, if you have, you know, even half of those going to double B, then all of a sudden you'd have all these index funds and ETFs that were investment grade funds that now would have forced liquidation. Then that forced liquidation would then beget more selling, which would then beget even more selling. And so then what happened is essentially, you know, and you probably already know this, I mean, BlackRock gave a presentation, I think at Jackson Hole and August of 2019 that were, sorry, yeah, yeah, it was August 2019. And it was basically like, hey, during the next uh, crisis, we're going to need to have all these different emergency measures and here's the things we need to do. Then all of a sudden BlackRock then gets hired to be the middleman to then even dump their entire junk bond ETF or portions of their junk bond ETF directly to the Federal Reserve's balance sheet while getting a commission on the whole thing. And guess what? No one gave a shit because all of a sudden, you know, everyone's eyes was on the virus. Everyone's eyes were over here. And so meanwhile, they're screwing us over here when like the main action is going on over here. And so to me, I mean, that was like the real obvious thing. And then also it was once I saw the coordinated rollout of, okay, uh, all the grocery stores all of a sudden all have like little stupid arrows and like what sign you need to, you know, how you need to walk. And then they all seem to have like the plastic shields that went up all, all uh, you know, seemingly like all at once. And they were all had like those little like six foot dots everywhere, like where to stand. And it seemed like it was like way too coordinated of a rollout. And obviously, I mean, and the thing is with your film being, you know, two hours, you probably could have made it, you know, 20 hours because you can't, you know, you can't even fit everything even in there. So, I mean, it doesn't even get into things like event 201, which, you know, was basically the coordinated rollout at Johns Hopkins University to where they were practicing a worldwide simulated coronavirus uh, outbreak and what the media reaction would be along with having, uh, you know, giving out like coronavirus plush toys. So for me, I mean, that was really, uh, you know, seeing that coordinated rollout and, you know, all the way around was what really got me because, you know, early on in like February, I'm sort of thinking, oh, it's weird that the government isn't mentioning anything about this. And so then it sort of had me concerned before there was a concern. And then all of a sudden the government told me I should be concerned. And then all of a sudden that's when I knew I shouldn't be concerned because, you know, obviously, you know, the government's not in the business of trying to keep anybody safe, you know, as we're, you know, here, hey, we're, we're a mask, but then now we're going to try to launch, you know, nuclear war on Russia and Ukraine. <laughs> So can you guys can you get into maybe some of the people that you have in your film? I mean, you've got, you know, the, you know, I think it's like the former chief scientist of Pfizer in there. I can't remember his name. You also have the most cited doctor in uh, microbiology and, and really the list goes on and on and on. Uh, I mean, really like one of the only people you're probably missing would be like Dr. Judy Mikovits, which actually I interviewed a week before Plandemic, the film came out. So this is like March 30th, uh, almost exactly two years ago, I interviewed Dr. Judy. And so I knew that she had worked with Fauci and, you know, sort of knew where a lot of those uh, bodies were buried. And, and so, you know, right away, I, you know, had an idea that this was all a scam, but, you know, can I get into some of the, the you know, people that are in your film, uh, why you chose them and maybe what you learned from all these great names that are in your film? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I went for really, I thought the highlight, highest level people to address each issue. So yeah, the Sugar Bhakti, who was the most cited microbiologist in German academic history, and Michael Yeadon, who's a uh, Pfizer vice president for 16 years, or worked at Pfizer for 16 years and was the head of the respiratory illness department. Um, there was a uh, former Czech prime minister, Václav Klaus, the um, yeah, just a whole laundry list of people. I mean, Alexandra Henry on Cod in Paris, she's she's really good. Her interview, big picture, the full one, is probably one of the best summaries. Um, she was the former research director of, of the French NIH. 
So I really have all the, I put all the full interviews of everyone I interviewed that you can see in full on the website. And it, and uh, so you can go deeper and, and, and really learn about all these different areas. So there's just a lot, it's a huge resource. Um, I mean, there's Catherine Austin Fitz and, and, uh, and I'm continuing the interview series. So there's a great one with Martin Armstrong on there. Um, yeah, if you click full interviews. Klaus Kuhnlein, um, these ones in black and white are, are new since the film came out. So the Aaron Cariotti one is really good for medical ethics. Um, yeah, but Wolfgang Vodark, he's probably the most, one of the most impressive people I interviewed. Um, he blew up the whole swine flu uh, fake pandemic in 2009. They redefined what a pandemic was to take out the phrase many sick and dying. So that basically you can have a pen, you can call a pandemic a common cold, call a common cold a pandemic. And um, then we got- And what, what was that like one month before all this, like February, 2020 or like late 2019, they go around and they start changing the definitions of, of things. Yeah, well, they went they went and basically got uh, these a, a couple like I think three or more pharma companies went and got twenty billion dollars of twenty or thirty billion dollars of of contracts signed with these Western European governments in two thousand nine and said they will be activated if WHO declares a pandemic. Then they went and lobbied WHO to reduce change the definition of pandemic to make it so you could have a common goal be a pandemic. And then they went and lobbied WHO to declare a pandemic. And so they changed the definition a month before the declaration, but it was just like clear and simple fraud. And, and, and then they got all the, they got $30 billion of these contracts. It was 30 billion. Yeah. And then they, <laughs> and then they went and injected a lot of Europeans and Africans with them. And there was a whole, I think tens of thousands of injuries from those. But it was just like, it, it really helps you understand what's going on now when you go back to that, that episode. And then er, earlier, SARS-CoV-1 in 2003. Yeah, I think it's informative to, to know these prior episodes. So um, the Catherine Austin Fitz interviews, quite, that one got the most views, I think about a year ago, um, really goes into this whole big picture. I thought it was really crazy the first time I when I shot it, but then, you know, as things went on and I researched more, it was like became apparent. Um, there's Astrid Stuckelberger just there. She's got, she's a WHO whistleblower. She works with WHO and, 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 and some UN agencies for a number of years. Um, yeah, so I interviewed this archbishop. Um, there was a remote interview with Archbishop Vigano which really gets more, that's not included in the film. It's, it's um, but that's a really interesting interview to understand the his, his history of how we got here. And then um, there's some natural doctors, the Attilis, the, the New Jersey gym guys. And this interview with Bishop Schneider is really good. The short, the brief interview, that one's like 15 minutes, but it really goes over this whole um, big picture where we're at. Like he, he grew up in the communist, in the Soviet Union. And he talks about his, uh, is um, like the relationship between the communist period and what's going on today and how it's the same, the same themes, the same activities and, and how he thinks this is basically the creation of a new order. Sort of the, I got these conservative Catholics as they really, they kind of view it as like a 250 year Masonic conspiracy, um, which has, which is an interesting perspective. You never hear people talk about. And for what it's worth, you also have like what is like that papal prophecies from I forgot when it was like 1400 and, and basically it gives like a little I mean, not to 
in necessarily like giving this like full credence or whatever, but I mean, you go and all of a sudden it's gives like, like, like two sentence descriptions of each Pope. And I believe that this Pope is the last one. Then after this one, they stop even doing it. And you can see, you know, obviously I think this current Pope, uh, what was it? He, I think he received like a hammer and sickle uh, as, a, as a gift from like the, either the president of like Argentina or Venezuela and, and basically like openly received it and like didn't even, you know, really question it. And so and I actually, I grew up Catholic and have basically since uh, completely renounced everything as soon as I was like 17, basically renounced everything from the Catholic church. But uh, you know, other reasons for that, not, not getting into there, but uh, it's really just amazing that this, that they've been able to kind of pull the wool on so many different people. And, and the thing is with all these interviews, especially with, you know, people like that, you know, the head of Pfizer, you have the you know, chief epidemiologist of Austria, all these high level people. And people are always like, oh, well, if there was some big grand conspiracy going on, then we would definitely know about it or somebody would blow the whistle. And so for you, is that like really, uh, you know, frustrating when, you know, people would say, probably people would probably say things like, oh, well, this, you know, clearly we would have heard about it on the news. Uh, and so we don't hear about it on the news and I haven't had cable in two years now, but, uh, you know, I appreciate you coming out with a film like this because, you know, obviously this is the other counter narrative to the information that we're not hearing. And what sort of pushback have you received so far? Have you uh, been, you know, kicked off YouTube, kicked off social media sites? I mean, what type of uh, responses has gotten so far from, you know, the more traditional outlets? Um, I'm not really on social media at all. So like I didn't get kicked off of it, but I did like after some months try to make an Instagram account and they said this account is, is blocked even though it had never been posted to it when I opened it. But, but yeah, I mean, I think, uh, I think I was kicked, I was censored a lot on YouTube and had a bunch of attack pieces uh, written by some Gates funded journalists like this guy, Bruce Lee, who's a real scumbag. Um, he's, it says right in his bio, Gates funded things. Gates for the grant. So, and he writes all the attack pieces on all the, so once I started realizing that I started to see the same people are writing the attack pieces for everybody. So they just have these like resident hit job people. So if that's, I don't know how they live with themselves for that kind of work, but um, anyway, yeah. Sorry. Huh? No, I haven't, I haven't gotten too much flack for it, but you know, I think you just have to go through with it, you know? It's kind of gets you out to more more places because uh, if you're not getting flacked and you're not doing it well enough but i guess you know they can't kick you off somewhere that you're not on and you know frankly i think that's one of the best <laughs> attitudes to have and uh you know after being essentially shadow banned from november 16th 2016 on facebook for the next five years where i didn't even get a single new follow and actually had like i went from getting a thousand new subscribers a day to getting negative five on average for five years straight and then i finally just kicked myself off there i'm like you know what can't censor me if I'm not on your platform. And I think, you know, that's part of the reason why I just self-censored off of YouTube, but telling the, the audience, hey, go find this over there because, you know, we, you know, you have to be the change. It's not, oh, we need to go and have, you know, Congress have a new rule to go legislate Facebook and YouTube to allow this. I mean, we already have the tools today through, you know, decentralization and through blockchain to basically, you know, make these guys obsolete. And so, you know, obviously if you've been at Anarchapoco several times and, you know, that's, probably not a message that's foreign to you as well. Uh, but, you know, but the, unfortunately it is foreign to a lot of people that are out there. Now, one of the things, I'm not sure if, if your film really touched on this at all, but, you know, one of the things that really, you know, became more front and center for me during this whole pandemic, because again, you know, health wasn't my biggest, you know, main sort of issue that I talked about. I mean, I, you know, 
mainly eat organic. I cut out soda, multiple time Ironman triathlete. So it's not like I'm like a couch potato, you know, sitting over here around doing nothing, but, you know, it really became this whole notion of terrain theory versus germ theory. And, and that was something that, you know, I hadn't really looked into too much before. So do you have any interviews that kind of go over, you know, terrain theory versus germ theory and, and maybe like what your thoughts of that are? Cause it, it really got me to, you know, kind of relook everything into how, you know, seeing, you know, interviews with people like, oh, I forgot the guy's name, like Dr. Andrew Kaufman, you know, getting into, you know, different things of like Koch's postulate and how there's, uh, you know, essentially the coronavirus in terms of like the own testing since it hasn't been isolated, like you don't even basically get to pass square one if you're not even at the point where you can isolate a virus to then even then test for it. So, I mean, what are your, some of your thoughts on, you know, terrain theory versus germ theory? And do you have any interviews that, you know, kind of go more into that area? Yeah, I stay away from that. I mean, I'm, I haven't re researched enough to get into the merits of it. I mean, it, to me, I don't know, just from from just looking at some hours of it, I don't think it's very clear what 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 it is they're talking about. Because you know, it's one thing saying viruses that that there was some issue in the very beginning with isolating this virus, and then the the the, the Chinese uploaded a, a record of it to some database, and a lot of people said that was questionable data entry. But then going from from that to saying there's no viruses at all. I think is a totally different kind of statement. So I'm not I'm not really clear with all these people making these statements. Are they saying that no viruses at all exist, or that, or that this one wasn't properly isolated over here? I mean, they have sequenced this virus a lot, or they've sequenced some virus a lot in in some in labs. Now, is that the clinical? I asked Vodard about that. Is that the clinical cause of people getting flus over here? That's you can't make that causal connection, especially when you're just basing it on PCR tests. So. I don't take it that far. Really, get go down that rabbit hole. I just don't think that's, I, I don't think that that's the most like productive avenue. But if some people want to get into that, that's their business. But um, I'm still not really understanding what people mean by terrain theory. Is are they saying that that it's more your body's immune system that's something the, the thing to focus on that keep, that brings you health and not this paranoia of germs, or or because that seems to be what I hear a lot of them saying, and then the next minute later they start saying germs don't exist at all. So I just like to me it's not very clear, and like I'm, I'm a little cautious of it. So I really don't want to like I I'm, I haven't gone down it and down that, and I don't. That's kind of not my issue. I would ask somebody else about that. I know it's fair enough. I mean, there is so many different aspects of this fraud that you know it's and you know it probably is just important to have like the average and I maybe that's another question is who did you make this film for so I mean it, it sounds like it maybe not be like the super hardcore people that already know about it and just you know high five pat themselves on the back of information they already know about but it, did you make it to get out to people that may not have been exposed to any of this or what was sort of like your main motivation for for making this and who was your target audience yeah I mean it's people in the middle who, who don't don't know what's going on who, to bring them up to speed and, and give them hope to speak out. And then I think it's also people that, that are awake and who like get that there's a problem. I think this is 80% of people now, but really to have the balls and the gumption to and the, and the spine to, to speak out and say no and, and actually like live, live it in your real life, you know? Because a lot of people I know think it's bullshit, but then they still go put the mask on, take shots and do all these things that, <clears throat> that, are, that are bringing us like, you, you know, that much further into a pit. So I think it's like really just having that discussion and saying like, hey, where do we go from here? It's, it's great. Like you watch a thousand COVID videos, but I mean, 
if you don't do anything about it, like, what does it matter? And I think, I think that's where we're at now. I think people are really burned out from all this story and they really need to get off, get off their hands and like really do what's right in their life to, to do the right thing and say no and speak out. Cause that's, you know, the, the only way the few control the many is by getting us to passively go along with it. Absolutely. I mean, everyone has like, the power to be the change that they want to see out there in anything. And so, I mean, whether it's, you know, like a more like liberal issue, I'll say it's an air quotes for anyone listening on, on the podcast replay, but whether it's more of like a going green issue and we need to have Congress go green, it's like, you know what, why don't you fucking go green? I'm like, not pointing at you, but it's like, you know, you have the power to go out and be off grid and get uh, and not live in New York City or not live in LA and to go somewhere else and to get solar power and do all this. Like, you don't need to go lobby the government to go do this. And so, People have the power to make their own changes. And so I know for me, and I would like to give, you know, a big shout out to Tina Marie that, you know, she was so hardcore in making sure that I don't didn't wear a mask. So there was only like a, basically a two week period that I feel really bad about when I was in, I went to the East Coast and I flew back to Arizona. And when I flew back to Arizona, all of a sudden everyone was masked up. So I left Arizona, nope, like hardly anybody wear a mask come back and all of a sudden we're on lockdown everyone's wearing masks and I didn't want to get like kicked out of like the local grocery store so for about a week and a half I was you know somewhat half-assed like kind of pretending like I was wearing one getting through the, the, the main person walking away and ever since you know basically we got like mid-July 2020 aside from flying twice I've not put a mask on and even then I put gas mask on and then they wouldn't let me one of the times they wouldn't even let me on the plane wearing a gas mask and so I'm like, well, what is it? I'm like, if this is about keeping me safe and I've got an N100 mask, then shouldn't that be the safest one? And then prior to this, just to be a jerk to TSA in February 2020, flying back from Anarchapoco, I decided to throw in an N95 mask and have video of it. And TSA was livid, for, livid with me for wearing a mask. And so I have the video of that. And then I also have them live with me in July 2020 for not wearing one. And so like for me, it comes down to, you know, I have to protect at least my own home terrain. So talk about terrain theory, like my terrain theory right now is my local grocery store, every place around me, I'm going to be that guy. Obviously now it's like, it's been super easy here for like a year, but you know, doing it at the times for about a year and a half when it wasn't easy to do so. And being that guy of like, Hey, listen, I'm going to at least protect my own home turf. And if everyone had that attitude who were, you know, of like mine, at least protect their own home turf, then I think we'd be in such, you know, would be in a much, much better place. Uh, I've also since discovered Instacart, so I guess I wouldn't have to really go in the grocery store anyways, but I didn't know about that at the time or didn't didn't use it. So, but the thing is, we need to be the change. We need to be the ones who are, you know, hardcore ourselves. And so many people who are hardcore are like, oh, well, they're throwing a mask. Oh, and the thing is, like, I've gone basically two years with wearing a mask. Like, I can count on one hand how many times I've worn one. And even when I did, it was like a half-assed thing and I got one ill-advised haircut. But, you know, I wish I could say I didn't wear it at all but I'm probably better than like 99.99% of people. And I traveled a ton and just, you know, going to Mexico several times and doing all sorts of traveling. Uh, but, you know, people do have the power to be the change that they want to see. But what is one of the biggest things that you've learned, I guess, over the past two years, or, you know, whether it's, you know, what you've learned about humanity or what you've learned about, you know, through making this film, uh, you know, what, what is making this film like really taught you about, you know, whether about humanity or just, you know, the whole lockdown in general, and then, you know, sort of like, where do you think things are going from here? I guess it's really that, that we do have a, a choice. We have free will. We have, uh, we have our individual agency to do what's right. And that, and that all this psychological uh, cloud of nonsense that's been, that everyone's been placed into 
is just a way to get us to to forget that to forget that that we have a choice that, that we're our own person and, and kind of beat you down and like so the real the real solution is to go within and and really build yourself up and 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 find that inner strength to do what's right you know against all odds and i think we do have the the power and the 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 resources to do it and and it, it seems hard and it almost seems impossible sometimes but but when, when you do it you really feel gratified by it i mean like making this film was really difficult and involved a lot of a lot of crazy stuff a lot of you know traveling to places that, that were difficult to get to and uh jumping through hoops and and having to deal with all these difficult things all day long but like we were actually in italy for like alexander fusillo and you know and he's someone that i've heard on ernie show ernest hancock show several times and uh i know he's just kind of like a big rabble rouser over there but were you actually there on location in italy like filming him and some of these yeah. other people yeah i drove to rome yeah so and it was interesting to see and you know it's kind of sad i was actually it's actually like the first time I went to Rome. I hadn't been there, and and it was like empty, and there was nobody there. And I could just imagine what it was like, just a few years ago, crowded with with gringos everywhere. And you know, I mean, just like now it's like totally empty. But uh, yeah, I just think just being fearless. I think the real answer is to be fearless. And and you know, I don't, I don't like my film is there to educate people and all this, but like really. It's just, just a tool. I mean, the next thing is really for people to stop watching these videos, stop watching my videos, <laughs> and just like, and just go out and, and and live truthfully and be real and 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 don't take this shit from anybody. I mean, it's it's just insane what they're doing, and 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 there's no way in hell that this is going to end end up well if we just keep going along with these things. I mean, it's just it's the writings on the wall. The malintent is there. Like, none of these policies are there to help us. They're 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 here to destroy us. And like, and so. Like waking up to that reality and 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 not letting it go any further, and that doesn't mean some big grandiose thing and blah blah blah. It just means like actually moment to moment, day to day, speaking the truth, doing you know, having the uncomfortable conversations. But then you know, like like Vodark says in the film once, he's like, you know, sometimes you have to wonder if it's what's the harder thing to do what's difficult now, or whether you're going to have more trouble later on if you don't do it. You know, like. And you, and you had someone, I forgot, it was a female in there. She said something along the lines of, just paraphrasing here, you know, it's like, oh, on your gravestone, you want to say, oh, so-and-so lived a nice, peaceful, quiet life and didn't ruffle any feathers. Because uh, obviously, you know, the people out there who are living their true authentic lives, we are the feather rufflers. And so for me, it's, you know, the, I feel like, you know, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. And so everyone that wants to go along to get along, you know, there are bad people out there and some of these bad people and who are using actual conspiracies by, you know, you already mentioned, you know, paying off the, you know, who by World Health Organization, 20, $30 million for pharma to change the definition of pandemic. And, oh, look at this the next month, we've got a pandemic. And so I think there are a lot of good natured, well-intentioned people out there who, because they are so good natured, then think everybody else is good natured, which then allowed the evil people to flourish. And so I forgot who said it, but you know, the only reason you know, good, you know, that evil persists is that good men do nothing. And so, um, you know, is this all just too many good men doing nothing? And you know, do you have you know hope for humanity that enough people will wake up, or you know, are we at the point now where they're just going to use their next? Uh, you know, scare tactic. And, and, and personally, I don't think they're done, you know, playing out this virus and 
part of me thinks that okay, you know, they're they're going to ease up now. It's sort of like a boa constrictor. You know, they're going to you know all of a sudden you know let go a little bit, but then tighten up even harder. Or you're taking you know three steps back, you know, two steps forward, five steps back, you know, two steps forward, and yeah. you're still back. And I sort of see it as okay, maybe the midterms they try to pull something with the act like they're letting up, and after the midterms, oh, it's winter and you know scary season for some you know new new variant. Which yeah, there, there isn't a new variant because I was going to confuse anybody. So you can't have an NU Greek alphabet new variant, which I was really waiting forward for that one. But then I realized, oh, people are too dumb to realize that it's a new variant NU. So we skipped that one and skipped Z. But uh, sorry. Yeah, I mean, the last two days they said there's another another scary and on the list. I mean, it's just such horseshit. I mean, excuse my French. I mean, it's just come on, like, I mean, how long are people going to start keep believing this stuff, like, and start waking up and realizing this is a scam? I mean, it's not. There's always variants of flus. Flus every year you have waves of influenza B and influenza A. They're always different every year. You know, if you went out and sequence sequence these things, you'd find the different sequences of them. But it doesn't mean that it's it's, it's just totally irrelevant. I mean, all you need to do is just look at the basic science, look at the basic science papers and think about it for five minutes and you'll see that what they're saying doesn't make sense. Like you, you don't need to get into the germ theory and terrain theory. I mean, just, just according to their theory, what they're talking about, it doesn't add up at all. It doesn't make any damn sense. So like, that's kind of where I, the, my film approaches it is just like, it's just I, the, the only re the real scientific points I, I, I lay out are like, Asymptomatic isn't true, and it's a it's a continual fear campaign to say you should be afraid of everyone else, and everyone's, every, even a healthy person can be a threat. Like that's that's not true. Like healthy people are not contagious of of health. You know, I mean, they might be if they have a good attitude and they like exude good attitudes to other people. But I mean, like you're not like if you, you when you sneeze and cough, you're contagious. Then people get the flu from you. I mean, that's everyone always knew that. Now they said, oh well, you can be asymptomatic. I even show a clip of Fauci in there saying asymptomatic carriers will never drive a pandemic. I mean, I have him, I have that guy saying it. And then, um, yeah, the, the tests are frauds, the tests are meaningful, and the, all the data is based on the test. Even the vaccine trials are based on these PCR test data, which, which is, you know, hugely alarming. And then, and then you have like the, the, the definition pandemic was changed. And then uh, I guess there's a little bit of variance and and how deadly is SARS-CoV-2 and, and funny business are playing with the death certificates. Uh, I just went back out and interviewed Scott Jensen again. He was he was interviewed there to, to um, yeah, he was great. Me. We've had him on Union of the Unwanted as well. But, you know, I thought Scott Jensen, Jensen was great. Yeah, he's really good. I just went back out there and interviewed him again. Um, yeah, and, and you mentioned, you know, Fauci uh, and, you know, doubling back on certain things he was saying and, and you know obviously you know he was giving different narratives and at one point said you know masks are basically theater and then you know then all of a sudden then you know approving masks which i'm not sure if that was in the film but you know as soon as they started trotting him out i mean i knew that he's been like sort of the, the bag man for all this stuff you know for decades for the government and so that was another sort of sign to me that this was a scam when okay you know they're rolling out you know dr fauci and i'll get guys like my grandpa and be like this dr fauci came out of nowhere and you think he's some bad guy and I'm like, no, he did not come out of nowhere. He's been around the block. I and mean, he was a guy, you know, recommending AZT for AIDS or HIV patients back in the day, which was basically, you know, killing them. But anyways, that's a whole other subject. And, you know, I, if nothing else, we would have been kicked off YouTube just for that, just for that statement over there, allegedly, I guess, killing people. 
uh, through AIDS <laughs> and everything else that's going on. I mean, I, I, it's sort of a gallows humored laugh there. But you know, another thing you had mentioned is these different variants. Now, I didn't know this from the film, and I'm like pretty up on all this stuff. But I didn't realize that the that the most far, far away exotic variant from the alpha variant is only 0.3% different than because they make it something. The average layperson, and even someone like myself, you'd think, okay, it's probably like materially different, but it's 0.3% different. And and then I think there was also a clip. Uh, I'm not sure if it was like Borla or the uh, the I think he was a, either Pfizer or Moderna guy. Said so something like, hey, you know, once you already have the like basically the product or the vaccine made, which again another definition that changed, changed definition of vaccine, changed definition of herd immunity. Then all of a sudden, you know, we can basically print out these new variant, uh, you know, jabs, you know pretty easily because it's not that much different. And so I had no idea that the, that like the most far away exotic one was only 0.3% different from the alpha variant. Yeah, I mean, there was a study in, in July, 2020, taking the blood of people that got SARS-CoV-1 in 2003, and then, get, and then exposing them to SARS-CoV-2 and showing that they were immune. So like the, their immunity to, to SARS-CoV, Two was people that got SARS-CoV-1 17 years prior were already immune to SARS-CoV-2. So to say that you wouldn't be immune and that these and that these variants can come out and 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 reinfect people, uh, all the scientific studies saying that they're they're contradicted by this basic science. So it's like either there's a methodological problem, they're lying. There there's there's some methodological error in the in the way they're studying. Are they basing it on these PCR tests? So. You know, when you find these scientific things and you find the contradictions, you, you got to understand that that all, all the other scientific studies are flawed. That that, that basically you, you can't get reinfected with it unless there's something really wrong with your immune system. And then there's something else you need to be focusing on. It's not vaccines that are going to solve it. It's not taking injections that's going to help your immune system out. It's it's going to be you know a good diet. It's going to be like a, a change in lifestyle or you know it's. So the, the, just the whole medical industry is so wrongheaded and off its rocker. And like, yeah, clearly- sick, sick care is true. Yeah, sick was, care, yeah. That was taken over by, you know, basically Rockefellers and, you know, I'm not sure if it's a documentary by James Corbett, uh, you know, Rockefeller medicine, but, you know, essentially the whole sick care industry is a gigantic scam that's meant to just milk people and, you know, constantly, you know, create new, uh, basically patients for big pharma to go and, you know, dose you or pill you or jab you or do everything they can to, you know, suck every last dollar out of you while keeping you anything but healthy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then they made it so expensive that no one could afford it. So then they created the insurance industry to finance it and all these other crazy finance mechanisms. But I mean, this is something that's really got to give because the whole, it's just the number one cause of bankruptcy now in the United States is, is, is the cost of healthcare. And like, I, I, that's such a big issue. It's unsustainable what's going on. Now, I mean, so where do you sort of see things going? So where do you sort of see things going? I don't know. I heard some feedback there, but it was one of the, uh, you know, things that were things that were really I'm not sure if that feedback is coming from my side of things or your, anyways, like we're all good right now. But one of the things that was like really front and center for me and why I started creating podcasts back in 2016 is I was really worried 
about you know basically this digital dictatorship enslavement and having a central bank digital currency and i was also worried about war with russia and now it's like boom you know war with russia and cbdc are both being you know pretty much foisted on us at the same time and do you think that you know basically they saw this whole people are getting tired of the whole scamdemic pandemic and and all of a sudden now they had to go find a new reason to print a whole bunch of money and to you know have a maybe excuse to not have the federal reserve raise rates another six seven times like they say they're going to uh, basically as a pretext to, in my opinion, I basically think there's going to be a pretext. And I did a video on this March 6, 2020 with Luke Radowski saying that, and this again, this is probably 10, 11 days before quarantine saying that, you know, this virus, whether manufactured or not, is essentially going to be used the as the pretext to take away our rights and take away our freedoms. And we're going to look back a couple of years from now as being the good times. And this was March 6, 2020, as being the good times because they're going to use this for every last basically, you know, ounce of, you know, basically they're not going to let a good crisis go to waste and they're going to use this to clamp down their freedoms. And so now I see this as basically like a problem reaction solution is they wanted to have a central bank digital currency. They wanted to have a social credit score. They want to have obviously more authoritarianism. And so what's the best way to do that is to have an invisible enemy over here that no one can see that everyone's panicked over. And then you eventually maybe, and I, and I did say in the video too, that the initial game plan was to have a war with either Russia or China. And then they then went and pivoted it to having this whole scandemic. And so now that we're, you know, two years later after this, uh, you know, unfortunately, you know, a lot of our freedoms have, are obviously less today than they were two years ago. And we see, you know, this big push for central bank digital currency and Biden just had this big executive order that he signed about, you know, a week ago, the Federal Reserve came out with a 40 page, you know, white paper on launching a CBDC about a month and a half ago. And so do you see all this as sort of like an economic scam to basically try to, you know, create this digital dictatorship or, uh, you know, that was sort of me rambling. I didn't want to put any you know, words in your mouth, but, you know, I, do you think we're sort of done with these variants or, or they're on to now Russia or they're going to use Russia and the variants and some have some super massive lockdown and then basically make everybody poor and then, you know, in your first basic income is then going to be like the new, uh, you know, cause azure and that's going to be backed by a central bank currency to get everybody onto the mark because I feel like you need to basically trick people or get people to beg themselves into it and what better way to beg themselves into it than by making everybody poor, making gas get up to, you know, $8 a gallon, and then having everybody, you know, beg for, you know, help. Uh, I know I just rambled on there quite a bit, but it sounds like I just maybe even gave you another inspiration for another film, um, you know, looking back on this for Russia, Ukraine, and all the crap that's going on with, with this one as well. Yeah, I mean, who knows what, what ridiculous story they're going to say to, to corral us into it. And, and definitely there's always, like you mentioned, this theme of getting us to do it to ourselves. You know, I mean, it's, that's that's a big theme is getting people to 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 forge their own chains and it's because it's cheaper it's it, it works better by doing it that way and 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 it's more effective to get people to dominate themselves but yeah i mean i think whatever means whether it's the war or the or or the or virus scares you know i don't know i i do get the sense that people are are not believing the virus scares as much as they as they were two years ago like so Maybe that's why they eased up on it, but I think the plan's all the same. And really, the central bank digital currencies with the with these sort of government issued vaccine passport rails is really the the main objective. This global ID system. I mean, ID twenty twenty project of Gates said 
uh, in 2019, I think it was saying the best onboarding ramp to a global ID is going to be an immunization program. And now we're really seeing that. I mean, you, you kind of have everyone tagged already with the phones. Um, so you don't really need to put the chip in people, but like uh, get, putting, introducing a central bank digital currency and linking that with the global ID system. Like the Financial Times had an article a week or two ago saying that, that like, that, oh, the central banks realize that they're going to have to have a global ID system to like get the, or, or, or an, uh, a verifiable ID system to get central bank digital currencies to work correctly. I mean, so that's, that's basically the goal is to transform the monetary system into a sort of like credit at the company store system where it's not really money any longer. I'm, I'm, um, I'm working on a book on money and economics and kids cartoons and like this is kind of one of the the issues money money real money is like where it's fungible transportable readily acceptable and 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 like divisible and so if you're starting to take central bank digital currencies um they're they're not really they it's it's sort of a means it's like a payment system but it's not really money any longer I mean, it's sort of it's sort it's sort of drifting off of the definition of money into this sort of like payment transaction system. Catherine talked about this bit in the interview. It's more of a transact a controlled transaction system. The the purpose of which is to control people and deny them the ability to buy and sell. So it's really kind of sort of a transaction denial system than it is a means to have transactions. So I, I really think people have to wake the hell up and 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 just oppose that that system at all costs because you will you they'll be able to have these like big gulag like starvation schemes if they have that in place they could just starve people in your own home and no one would even know the damn difference i mean like i don't think people really get their head around what misery could be in store for you if you do not resist these central bank digital currencies and these id systems i mean there's no reason that you need to be tagged like a dog by a, a satellite track GPS RFID tag sort of thing. And another thing, this has also made me look a lot differently at central bank, at uh, cryptocurrencies. So like, you know, I was an early advocate of Bitcoin and, and got really excited about it. But, you know, Martin Armstrong and Catherine Austin Fitz, who I interviewed, expressed concerns about that. And now I'm quite suspicious about it. And, you know, I have like arguments with crypto people all the time about this, but it's like, they really can never get the idea. Like these are dual use technologies where they have a good application and a bad application. And it's like the crypto people are only looking at the good. And I'm like, guys, you know, like, you know what, it, like, just like, you know what an, an, an NFT is basically? It's yeah. like a non-fungible, it's, 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 it's like an RFID tag that you can't, you can't forge and you can't duplicate. I mean, it's like that, that application, yeah, you could tag like a bar of gold and say it's this particular thing, but that, that creates the technology where you can tag everything, the internet of things, the internet of bodies and have them unforgeable, indelible. So it's like, people should look at both sides of this. Like now everyone's high and, and, and getting high on Bitcoin and like making money and like da, 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 and that's great. But like that's broken down people's resistance to the idea of these central bank digital currencies. A lot of Bitcoin people I know are excited because their crypto is going up. And you know, they're going to come out with CBDCs. My Bitcoin's going to go up. Yeah, but I mean, like, wait, I mean, they could very well easily pull the rug out of the crypto market. They could keep it parallel to the CBDCs. They could come out with the CBDCs and keep crypto land parallel. 
or they could like pull the rug out on the on the, on these private cryptos or regulate them into 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 like a reduced price. So I mean, even the Gates 060606, the Microsoft patent did talk about like this kind of slave patent where you have this worker doing this work, and his worker his activities are sensed by biosensors, and then he's paid different cryptocurrencies for the work he's done. So I just think it's like. I think we need to exercise some caution in, in these things and not be fooled by these by these sort of attractive marketing things like Monero and these other things can maintain your privacy, but Bitcoin is not, I mean, you it's it's not anonymous, it's pseudonymous. And anyway, I'm just it's made me exercise a lot more caution with all these things. Well, I certainly that I didn't exercise uh, that caution when Bitcoin was about 50 cents because I had just read a creature from Jekyll Island when Bitcoin was under a dollar. And I thought, I'm like, wow, this sounds like it's sort of like the mark of the beast type system that can track, trace and surveil everything. But I, you know, you're on to a million other things. I just graduated college at the time. So, you know, it was broke and, you know, it was pain in the ass to try to buy Bitcoin back then because you couldn't just do it. You had to like basically go on like the Silk Road. And speaking of which, I do have a Silk Road NFT, you know, before NFTs were like really even a thing, but it's a real thing. But I wanted to support Ross. So if everyone give it a nice plug to freeross.org to help uh, free Ross. But I, yeah, I do. One of the very first episodes I had in Bitcoin was was actually exposing the Bilderberg connections to Bitcoin that I'm not sure if you've, you've heard of this, but essentially you had the head of AXA, Henry DeCastries was also the head of the Bilderberg group. And then it was AXA in 2014 that I believe gave $70 million to the Bitcoin core development to basically, you know, lobby against making the block size bigger to then have their problem access the Lightning Network to then get everybody onto their second or third layer, you know, solution that I'll say in air quotes for the radio listeners. And, uh, you know, but I think, you know, just sort of like a gun can be used to, you know, kill you or defend your life. I mean, a gun can be used for good or it can be used for bad. And I think blockchain can be used for good or it can be used for bad. And maybe Bitcoin was the application to make it really sexy and make it appealing and make it, you know, sort of punk rock to then bring in the central bank digital currency and then take the rug out from underneath. But, you know, I think, you know, you'd mentioned, uh, you know, Monero and obviously, you know, Anarch Pogo, you know, is pretty big on, you know, pirate chain, which, Today, I guess uh, Biden uh, signed some executive order to uh, basically bring back uh, letters of mark and reprisal to seize Russian ships. So I guess they're making pirates great again. So at least you know that maybe that was good news for pirate chain. Not investment advice, just just putting it out there. But uh, yeah, I, mean, I, I, you know, I think this is probably a good place to leave it. And uh, I really liked uh, you know what you're saying at the end of trying to you know people need to wake the hell up. Uh, my guy editing that, if you can put that at the beginning of this interview, I think that, that was a great. Uh, great and passionate plea that you gave there at the end. And then the last thing I want to say is, you know, it, it, people, if people opt into the own, their own system, just like people opt into Facebook, giving up all their de- data, you know, that's easier than the CIA trying to go in and get it all themselves. And so, you know, the guy that created the Federal Reserve System is James Warburg. And he said, we shall have a one world government. It's only a matter of it's through consent or conquest. And so they realized World War One, World War Two, beating people's heads down through conquest doesn't work. So you need to get people to opt in and consent into it. Because obviously the best slave is a slave that doesn't know he's a slave. And so people, so you are right. People do need to wake the hell up. We don't have a lot of time here, you know, to screw around and dilly-dally. And I, you know, and people should take, you know, heed your warnings in terms of Bitcoin. And I am a big believer of Bitcoin, you know, having it self-custody, having your own private keys, because technology is such that, you know, they can't really necessarily pull the rug from Bitcoin. Like, yeah, if you're in I guess they could technically take the Grayscale Trust down. They could take, you know, different exchange accounts down. And maybe that's, you know, the ultimate goal. Or they could take the, the power grid down, which, you know, there seems like that's one of the main plans, too, is maybe taking the grid down, which is why I'm also a fan of gold and silver. 
not investment advice. Everyone needs to do their own research. But you know, I think you know you are correct to say that there are some problems afoot in Bitcoin, which is why I have a episode entitled "Is There an Evil Foot in Bitcoin?" If people can go back check that out or check out the Bilderberg connection. Uh, but I still am a fan of it. But it's not like you don't put all of your bullets into that one that one arena. There's other areas that people can use to you know help diversify themselves. So is there anything else you want to leave us with? We do appreciate all your time today. I know you're a busy guy, probably making the rounds, doing lots of interviews, and you know, appreciate you sharing your time with us. But is there besides you know Planet Lockdown Film? And make sure I got that right. Planet Lockdown Film, I'm trying to find it. Yeah, planetlockdownfilm.com. There's also, I believe I saw an Odyssey channel as well that James had that has all the interviews up there as well. So, you know, is there anything else you want to plug or mention before we head off today? And, and definitely great. We appreciate you being on the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, check out the website, sign up for email updates so I can stay in touch and let you know new things. Um, but basically, I have the full interviews page. There's like 50 different interviews on there. Um, there's I have a Telegram channel that I give on a feed on the site as well on the news tab. There's also the, the film, watch the film page that has all of the, the film in all the different languages. So it's in a dozen languages now. Wow. Uh, Chinese is coming out like today and tomorrow, I think. And then I got Russian was out a week ago. And then like I got- I'm Czech. guessing you won't be going to China or Russia anytime soon then after uh, putting yeah. it out. I got, I got Czech, Hungarian and Serbian coming out in the next 10 days. So, but, uh, but basically, yeah, please donate to the project. Um, it's made possible by these donations and, and, um, and, uh, yeah, sign up for email updates. I think that's the main thing I'd like to, to say because it's 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 a labor of of love and and uh, for freedom and and you know we need the support to to keep this up. So. No, thank you for you know putting out this film. I mean, it's very important that we're not all just in a circle jerk about all knowing this information. So give this film out to, I mean, it's free on on you know plantlockdownfilm.com. You can give this out to people you care about, your loved ones to try to save lives here. I mean, I've been trying to save lives by giving out this information. And you know, unfortunately, you know, there's people that didn't listen to the information that are close to me and to that have passed away. And so and it was, you know, in my opinion, you know, the doctors giving them remdesivir and especially, you know, a guy I knew who had, who already had a kidney go out and then they gave him remdesivir. Uh, and so, you know, this is life-changing information. We're the ones taking all the arrows. I'm sure James has taken lots of arrows or will be soon. And, it, and he did remind me, we do have our own telegram group as well that we just started. So that is brand new. Check the links down below, yeah. libertyadvisorshow.com. Yeah, one last thing is I'm, I'm working on a film on what's going on with the kids in the schools, the COVID and what's going on in the hospital. So if anyone has uh, personal stories um, and, and is willing to be interviewed about it, email me at planetlockdown at protonmail.ch. So it's what's going on in the schools, in the hospitals, and really good stories, not, not a lot of emotional hearsay stuff, but really like solid stories that you document, you're willing to talk about it with your kids or, or in the hospitals with remdesivir and, and the intubations and things. But it's uh, email me at planetlockdown at protonmail.ch. I thank you for that. I'll tell you real quickly, one of the dumbest things when it comes to, you know, the kids in school. So I've got two daughters and actually my ex-wife works at their school too. So at one point, uh, my ex-wife and my six-year-old weren't allowed to go to school, but then my five-year-old was allowed to go to school, even though they live with the mother and the sister who is, who aren't allowed to go to school, but yet the five-year-old could. And so I mean, it's just so stupid that, okay, so because of contact tracing, the one that lives with the other two, she's allowed to go, but then the other two, because of contact tracing somewhere else, aren't allowed to go. I mean, it's just nothing makes sense. We could spend another 
three hours here talking about or longer of stuff that doesn't make sense. But make sure you guys check out planetlockdownfilm.com. Check out, you know, obviously sign up for James' email list, sign up for the Telegram group, and make sure to go to floatfest.com and go to float where you can find both of us there. Don't be shy, say hi. And uh, anyways, until next time, Tim Pachuk, Liberty Advisor, along with James Patrick from planetlockdownfilm.com. Take care. Thank you guys so much. Okay, great. Thank you for having me. Huh?